Gentlemen, welcome to the Manlyhood Mancast. Today's guest is the founder of Modern Chivalry Men. He's also written a book called Iron and Cotton. And Mike Povens is also the recipient of the Life Changer Award. Mike works with men, helps men to be better men, and I can't wait to get into this conversation with you guys today. That's going to start right after this. In a culture that scoffs at honor, you can rise up to lead and to shine. It's time to be the best man that you can be. This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Here's your host, Josh Hatcher. Mike, glad to have you on the show. Uh, you know, we've been in communication for quite a while. and I haven't been doing interviews until here recently, maybe just a, a couple sporadic ones. And I think I've got a good system now. So I'm, I'm glad to have you on. And you've been uh, doing some really interesting stuff with um, modern chivalry and the, the mo- movement that you've kind of started. Why don't we, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you're doing there. Sure. No, thanks. Uh, first of all, I really appreciate the invite. Uh, I was honored that uh, you reached out. It's been fun uh, getting to know you over time. And uh, we've been kind of, I'm, I'm a little behind you and your journey and uh, the, the stuff that you're doing for men out there and and then with book writing. But uh, it's been really cool to be able to tap into your knowledge from time to time. I, I don't know that people truly appreciate the the time and investment that it takes to do the kind of stuff that you're doing. So uh, just a just a quick shout out to you, man. I, I now that I've been doing some of this stuff for the last couple of years, it's uh, it takes a lot of passion, a lot of work. So, uh, but yeah, for me, it's I'm sorry, I look like you were going to say something. No, I was just going to say it does, but it's something I care about, and it's it's kind of what gets me up in the morning. So. <laughs> yeah, you you and me both, buddy. I, I'll tell you, it was uh, four or five years ago now. Uh, I remember pulling into my driveway and being like, all right, I've got a good job. I've got the truck that I want. I've got the, the wife, the kids, and life's pretty good. But there's just something that just felt like it was missing. And uh, I went kind of searching on a journey. And for me, there's a, a faith element to that. Um, you know, what, what, more, what more do I need in my life? What, what can I do to find more fulfillment. And it's amazing how that answer started to, to manif- manifest in uh, seeking out doing stuff to help other people more so than myself. And uh, that journey led me to uh, doing a lot of stuff, uh, getting engaged with uh, different men in their journey, um, which led to the launch of Modern Chivalry Men. Uh, so there was just a something I just felt was missing from, uh, you know, the messaging out there for guys, uh, you know, as far as what it means to be a, a good, solid man of character today, uh, you got a lot of messaging from uh, movies and TV and social media and um, just a lot of different imagery and, and stuff that's pouring into men that I, stuff that I don't think is, you know, the healthiest stuff for us. Right. So I wanted to combat that a little bit. I wanted to seek it myself. What what can I do to change and improve? And I decided to have a public journey. Um, and I boiled that down to 12 core values that I wanted to live by. And I spent uh, the next 12 months just launching each core value and talking about it and what it means. So it was, it's been really cool, man. It uh, uh, led to, um, you know, I wanted to do more 
you know, it felt like it was a lot of words. Where are the actions? So year two, we did a lot of volunteer work, got a lot of guys engaged in doing charity events and being a part of the community, do, doing stuff and showing that good men do exist and that uh, there can be a lot of benefit that comes out of men coming together, doing good things for people. Uh, we helped some guys with uh, addiction recovery program, helped some women from a abuse shelter standpoint, did some food charity stuff. And all that, we learned a lot about ourselves, too. And I definitely learned a ton. So it's been a really cool journey, and it continues uh, to grow and, and manifest into other things. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the uh, putting it into practice. I think that's an awesome thing. Do you, uh, your audience is probably kind of spread out geographically. Do you have a, a pretty tight local crew of guys that, that you connect with with that? Yeah, it's funny. I, you know, when I first started, I was dreaming big, man. I was like, oh, I'm going to set the world on fire with this and, uh, you know, get guys fired up and, and bring back something old about being a man, uh, you know, and what that means. And um, it's hard to reach people across a, a huge scope like uh, you've probably experienced yourself. So, yeah, I started to do more locally. And the cool thing about that is you have more one-on-one face-to-face interactions. You start really getting deep into the lives of other people. Whereas, yeah, I could probably have some big, broad approach, but I don't know that I would have got the kind of into the conversations that I got into. I now lead men's leadership groups in my church and I do stuff here. I got just even a network of guys in my neighborhood that I'll, I'll ping and be like, Hey, someone needs some help. Uh, can I get about five, six guys to do something? And then, uh, yeah, you, know, you sit down. I, I love fire pits, man. I love having people over to sit around the fire pit and have a beer and talk about some real issues and, you know, have fun too. But, you know, uh, I'm the guy that uh, if you hang around for too long, I'm going to get real deep, real fast uh, with you. So uh, you know, we're going to talk about some stuff that actually is meaningful and impactful and you're going to realize I'm, I'm here to help you out in your journey. So, uh, yeah, the, the local stuff is, has been far more impactful than what I envisioned was a big, broad approach. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I would say the same thing with Manlyhood too. We, we definitely have like a, I mean, I've got people from all over the world that follow the page or the interact in the Facebook group, but, um, and, and that's been fun and that's really neat. But honestly, I think the biggest impact is with the people that I get to see face to face and talk with and, you know, break bread with, you know, that's really honestly where, where the, the heart of that connection is. And, you know, I'll still keep shooting for the moon, <laughs> but I'll settle yeah. for Texas or Pennsylvania or Oregon. You know what I mean? You know, and, and yeah. you know, the, moon, the moon's great, but if we can reach something closer, that's, that's awesome too, you know? Yeah, I think it's needed. I think if more guys like us uh, can inspire other guys in our local communities, um, you know, just simple stuff, uh, you know, and, and, and we, it's not – and I'm generalizing here. It's not typically in a guy's nature to be a part of a group and to actually talk about real things or really engage in, in, in meaningful stuff where we get this, uh, I heard you say in one of your other podcasts, this kind of lone wolf mentality. And, um, there's a, there's the power in the pack. And, uh, you know, I think so guys like yourself, guys like me, guys like a number of these other guys in different groups that are trying to impact their local community, do things, men's groups at churches, they're so much more impactful um, because of those, those real interactions and, and not leaving a guy stranded to handle depression, anxiety, concerns about money, you know, all that kind of stuff on their own. Like, yeah, I can read something, but if I don't have somebody to actually talk to a, uh, about those things, it's harder to overcome. Right. So. 
yeah, I think um, that idea of the the lone wolf. I I almost I don't know if it's everywhere. If it's an American culture kind of thing, if it, I just know that it's definitely something that is a default, at least in our culture, that, that we tend to fall back on. I think we're made to live in a pack, you know, in community, and uh, I think that's kind of our in- intention. I think we find fulfillment when we do, but. At the same time, there's something to be said for solitude and retreat. And I think that we usually get those out of balance. You know, that's. Dude, we all want to be James Bond, man. I mean, it's like you see that like, I, I'm, I can be smart. I can be strength. I have that ability to survive on my own. But the reality is uh, I'd rather go into war with, you know, you know, five, ten other guys than just go out there with one big machine gun and try to figure it out on my own. Right. So. Definitely. So uh, tell me about the book that you're uh, working on right now. I've been pretty, uh, I've read through it. I think it's really great stuff. I love the name of it. And I know there's a little bit of a story behind that. Um, Tell me more about that. Yeah. So uh, I think when uh, you, you sit there and go, what, what should I be doing? And, and God, where are you steering me? You know, that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, things just keep popping up in your head and you, writing things down you got to start listening to what that is so for me um i was torn between actually two books and i had to make a decision uh, on which one i was going to pursue as you know as a book writer yourself you got to put all your energy into something or else it'll never get done uh so um the title of the book is iron and cotton um that's the almost kind of brand if you will is iron and cotton and i'll explain that in a minute but it's a a field guide to marriage, and it's uh, practical knowledge uh, for men that are either married or men that are aspiring to be a husband. And why I went that route is because I've walked alongside men that have gone through divorce. I've walked in and, and uh, seen women uh, struggle uh, as they've gotten divorced. And I am a child of divorce. My, my wife's a child of divorce. There's just a lot of... Uh, impact and repercussions and uh what i call the ripple effects that just happens it's a it's a it's a horrible thing nobody nobody goes into marriage thinking oh a couple of years i'll get divorced and everything will be fine you go into marriage with a lot of hope and a lot of dreams and a lot of uh, plans and it's devastating when all that falls through right and we you know we see that devastation and so anyway, I'm, I've been happily married now for 20 years, and it's not perfect. We, we go through our, our ups and downs of things and work through stuff. But uh, fortunately, uh, you know, we've, we've been successful with that. But again, I see as other men have struggled, and I've walked with friends that have gone through divorce, and I couldn't help as my kids are getting older thinking about, well, what's going to happen for them one day? Am I going to have, you know, a son that ends up divorced? Am I going to have a, you know, two of my daughters that have to, you know, go through divorce and and I got to, you know, watch them go through those pains. And I was like, well, what, what could I pass on to them? So a big part of this book was it was simply taking good notes, writing things down, doing research and wanting to be able to hand off to them what I've learned and understood and researched about uh, marriages and them being successful and, and what to watch out for. You know, a big part of this thing is just having a conversation that you know, I'll, I'll ask you here in a second is, because I asked a ton of men, I was like, how much of a conversation did you have and how much wisdom was poured into you before you got married? Mm. And, and uh, there's not a lot, you know, there's not a big deep, you know, unless you did like the premarital counseling and you actually went there with intention and purpose to come out of there and go, Hey, I learned something as opposed to 
if you were like me, I was in my twenties going, Oh, I got this figured out. We've been dating forever. And you know, we're fine. I know her, she knows me, we're in love without that intention of asking questions and probing deeper. You we're really setting ourselves up for some potential failures. And that's why, you know, we hear these concerning divorce rates and things like that. So Anyway, that's what drove the writing of the book. I wanted to see if I could have a part to play in passing on some knowledge and wisdom to my kids. And as that evolved uh, and people were reading some of the content I'm sharing with people and getting good feedback, I was like, well, everybody could use this, you know? And so I designed the book to be a gift candidly for, it's not necessarily for men to just go out and buy because a lot of people don't, they're not looking for that. They think they've got it figured out. This is going to be, Hey, I hear you getting married. I want to give you this. I want to pass on some knowledge because it may not have been given to you yet. So, so that's the driving factor. Um, you asked about the title Iron and Cotton. So for me, um, uh, I grew up uh, and I saw as my father would either be pulling out a pocket knife or he'd be pulling out a handkerchief to handle different issues and problems. Um, the handkerchief I had seen uh, wipe some tears. I'd seen it wipe some sweat. I'd seen it being used on my elbow to bandage uh, some blood, right? So to me, it's a very symbolic tool, a handkerchief of care and compassion. And then on the flip side of that, a uh, pocket knife, which is used for cutting. It's used for utility. It's used for survival. It's used for a number of different uh, uh, stronger aspects of uh, that are, that are needed. So I think there's this right kind of balance of iron and cotton um, with a pocket knife and handkerchief. So it's something that I carry today and I always have. Um, and I carry it after my father and my father carries them after, you know, his father's. So I think it's something symbolic that uh, it reminds me that I, if there's, if I can boil it down to just two things that I need to offer as a man in this world is strength and compassion, not mm -hmm. just one or the other. Definitely true. I know that uh, I try to carry uh, those same things most of the time. I, actually, this weekend, I even heard my mom uh, talk about my dad and how he always said a real man always carries a pocket knife. And, yeah. and, uh, and again, the handkerchief is very true to that as well. I love it. I love it. So you asked that question about um, what was poured into you before you were married. And, you know, I always think about when we were getting married, we were like, we were, we went to a conservative Christian college and they had all these rules. And one of them was you couldn't get married unless you went through premarital counseling with the dean. Well, and then the pastor that married us wanted to do premarital counseling. And then we were young and dumb. So everybody thought, oh, well, you know, are you sure you're ready for this? So we had somebody else from the church that we attended premarital counsel us as well. So we had like all these, we went through like three sessions of it. And, right. um, and, you know, and I look, and then we also hung out with a bunch of old people from our church, you know, in small groups and things like that. And the amount of wisdom that got poured into us and, you know, it, that I can think of so many times when that saved our, our bacon later, you know, when we would come up to a problem and now we have the tools we need and look, we've been married for 23 years and we still have problems and we still need help sometimes to work through them. You know, sure. I think that most people are like, oh, this is hard. I'm going to check out now you know? Well, yeah, that it's, uh, it's interesting. I'm reading a book right now. It's, uh, called the good news about marriage. Um, and it's actually talks about how the damaging, um, statistic of 50% of marriages go into divorce. You've heard that, right? So it's actually not true. 
it's a, a book to actually blow up that myth. And a, a big reason, I, and I'm going to make sure I'm sharing this every time I get a chance, and I would ask you to do the same, is think about if you went into a hard problem and you were told, well, 50% of people don't make it through that problem. You'd be like, oh, okay, I don't feel so bad. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, one of the 50%. It stinks. But think about how the impact of that is marriage. There's this hey, we've hit some problems. I'm going to bail. We must not have been the 50% that make it. As opposed to if you really knew the statistic was lower and it's more like 25, 30%, you'd say, okay, well, about 70 some percent people do make it. Maybe I need to fight through this problem a little bit. There's hope there. There's a, there's a, there's optimism there, right? So I think there's uh, something that we need to continue to share and, and people need to know that 50% 50% of marriages don't end in divorce, actually. And that statistic is wrong. And we need to start turning that around and give people some hope. I think it's keeping young people from getting married because they're like, well, why should I get married? You know, it's just a piece of paper. And if we end up divorced and all that. So, you know, commitment levels are down um, and, and you're seeing people not get married. And, and some of it's based off these, these untrue facts that have been floating out there. I think a lot about how what people don't understand is the the key to a relationship and building that family is that commitment, that permanent covenant, you know, contract type commitment. And, you know, they wonder why they have problems with their relationship. And it's because like, well, I guess I'll stick around with you until we're done, you know, and that's not how it works. You know, I I have a goofy friend. I do not recommend this. Okay. (laughs) But, but when he got, he got married, he and his wife made a, a pact that he's like, look, if we ever get divorced, we need to shoot each other first, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but it, it and they're still married and they, they have a, a wonderful marriage, you know, but they just, right. I think to give that we're either in or we're not kind of, yep. commitment, you know, well, it's uh, I put this analogy in my book and you, you probably heard it or seen it, but the, her, you know, Spanish conquistador, Hernan Cortez, you know, he's arriving in this new world and he said, burn the ships. And it was a message clear to his men. We're not going back. We are here. We're committed to this endeavor. And I think for a lot of us in a lot of different areas of our life, but specifically marriage, if you went into marriage going, that's it, man, I'm burning the ships. I'm burning the ships in the sense of being with any other women. I'm burning the ships in the sense of I'm um, doing this on my own. I'm burning the ships in the sense of, you know, all those aspects of what it meant to be that individual. And again, I'll throw that lone wolf word out there. You're not the lone wolf anymore. It's you and your wife against the world on these things. And so you burn those ships and you're building a new ship now to go sail off and, 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 uh, and do some new things. So it's something to be excited about, not, uh, you know, be, be fearful of, I think, but yeah, you gotta have that commitment. You gotta say, that's it. This is where we are. And this is what I'm doing because there's no turning back and I'm, I'm going to fight through this. I think that's something our culture in general is lacking with anything. I think we've lost that loyalty and that commitment and stick to And I think that's a problem. I think we're, I think we're, we're on the front edge of a new generation. You know, we're teaching this new generation how to actually do it and what it means. And that means we need to take it seriously ourselves. Yeah. And I think it's there. I think it's there and everybody, they, like, they want that. They just, it's in them. They're capable. They have what it takes. I just think there's need to be that spark. You talk about with your, with your, uh, your podcast and stuff, that fire within, I think we just need to have more people igniting each other saying you can do that. Like, again, I go back to that statistic, you know, that squashes that spark. Right. So 
you need to give them that fire and go, hey, you can do this. People do do this and it, and successfully. And there's joy and there's adventure to be found in your marriage, not something to be fearful of or you're giving up something. I, I tell you that 20 years with my wife, I've had so much fun. I mean, we've had, yeah, our challenges, but man, I've got, I married my best friend. Uh, we, you know, we, we love to have adventures together. We love doing things. And I want that for other men. You know, I want that for other people in their marriages mm. to, you know, have some resilience. It used to be, uh, you know, I want to find someone to grow old together with. Right. Mm. Um, you know, I, you don't, I don't feel like you hear that as much anymore, but maybe it's because they're not hearing the stories and hearing the good things. We need to share more of that good news of, Hey, a, a marriage is a, is a tether. You feel like you're bound. You'll have, you know, the ball and chain kind of thing. No, man, that, that, that's a, it's a rope to save you when you fall. It's somebody to help pull you back up when you've gone over the edge. It's not something dragging you down. That shouldn't be looked at that way. I, I know a lot of guys that have gone through divorce. I actually have counseled and just kind of been a friend to a lot of them. And, you know, even some of them whose marriages have come back together, they you know maybe didn't get that far, but they were, you know, she left and now they're stuck. And, you know, the advice I always give is, first of all, you can't change her. You can't yeah. fix her. You've got to start with you. You know, you work on becoming a better man. And that might be what she wants. Even if the, everything was on her, like even if she's the one that made the mistake and screwed up, you work on being a better man. And if she doesn't want that, then there's not much you can do. You know? Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I, it's a big part of my book. I mean, it's all throughout each chapter is helping you identify where can you grow and be stronger. And that's going to make you that much more attractive to your wife. All right. But it's not about that as much as if you grow and you're stronger, you know, and I'm not talking physically, you know, yeah, get in shape and be, you know, be, be healthy and as best you can, but you know, that helps with the mental and the emotional side of things, but really, you know, kind of dig deep into what, where are your areas of weaknesses? You know, where do you struggle with? Are you an angry person? You know, and, and if so, why, you know, where's that coming from? And what are, what are your roots? You know, how did you, what did you see growing up as far as like, how did your parents handle, you know, conflict? You get, you know, we're really captives in a sense to our family, right? You get one view into how your parents handled things. And that's your one view for a long time in understanding what marriage looks like. Well, guess what? There's a whole bunch of different versions of those marriages and what they look like. And some not so good and some really great. And so um, anyway, there's just things in uh, throughout the book that I, to your point is you can't change her. What can you change about you? And I will, I won't make you this promise, but I'll put this out there. As you change, I bet you she's going to change. And there's going to be some positive things if you're seeking positive change for yourself. I think if, if I can grow to be a better man for me, right? Even if she doesn't come along, I still have succeeded in becoming a better man. And I think that that, you know, I, I think that's, there's a power in that, that, you know, really is either I get the strength to survive the fact that it's over, you know, <laughs> or... Yeah. And maybe to find something better or I'm what she needed all along. If I take the time to actually improve and grow. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very great point. So what, uh, 
what advice would you have for a young husband? You know, a guy who's about to get married, you know, the, the book is handed to him. You know, what, what advice <laughs> would you have yeah. for that guy? So it's a tough one. It's actually something I put in my, my pre- preface is, uh, you know, if you were anything like me and I was in my 20s, I was not seeking a book. I was not looking for advice on marriage. There's going to be a ton of those guys out there. I, I wrote a book and I'm going to try and sell it to the worst audience. Guys that aren't even gonna, <laughs> aren't even going to be interested in buying it. I, yeah, you occasionally see on like uh, my Facebook feeds and your Facebook feeds and stuff, a uh, guy going, "Hey, I just got married. What advice do you have?" That'll be the guy that you can send a book like this to and go, "He's gonna, he's gonna, right, you know, chomp into it." But the rest of them, candidly, it's going to be, uh, "I'm going to run into this wall and then go, oh shoot, man, maybe somebody knew something about this." And that, so <laughs> yeah, that's that's the. That's the arm twist I'm going to at least try to tell these guys is, look, if you and I were planning a trip, and I use this example on my book, if you and I, you know, decide, hey, let's let's go hike the Appalachian Trail, you and I would probably sit down and talk about it, map it out. We would ask questions. We would we would research it. We would, you know, go through uh, all the kind of different things we could to be prepared for this journey. All I would tell guys is think of marriage more like that. What would you do to prepare for a really cool journey you're about to go on, but you really don't know anything about? Okay, you've been on a day hike before, but you've never been on a six month, all kinds of climate change, uh, bears that could rip you apart. You know, that think of marriage more like that. But there's great sights. There's great, amazing things that you're going to experience. Don't think of it as dangerous. Think of it as an epic adventure. So my advice to the guys would be first and foremost, just please realize you don't know everything. You've never been there before, right? And, and there's stuff to learn that could make this journey that much more fun and epic and avoid some serious pain, right? So um, just be open to the idea of change and that maybe you don't have all the answers just yet. So I'll wrap that up by saying be curious and, uh, and learn from people that have either written a book, have been there before you, or that uh, are just open to sharing and talking with you. What do you think are the biggest pitfalls that most marriages, especially husbands, fall into that keep them from uh, moving forward? What do you think? What do you think some of those pitfalls are? Uh, if six cars could have collided in my head at one time, I <laughs> uh, that would be the example of all the thoughts that just came in. Um, I think uh, money and sex come straight to the top of the list, and I think uh, we go into um, money with different ideas and expectations of how we manage money versus how my wife might have managed money. And now we're trying to figure all that out. And instead of looking at the problem as uh, what debt do we have? What income do we have? And doing all that, we need to look at, and I, what I would suggest I say is, uh, is what is your financial history? And I don't mean exact dollars. I mean, like, what did you come from? Did you did you grow up and uh, money was readily available and you didn't have to worry about it? Did your wife grow up and they were scraping for every dollar? I think it really you need to take time to understand what each other's financial history was in the sense of the emotions around it, so that you can better go into a conversation. I had a, a couple that uh, I was asked to talk to, and they were really having some financial battles. And so I went and talked to him. I was like, I'm not a financial advisor, but I can at least ask you these questions. Do you know what her financial past is? And he's like, well, she's got this college debt and this and the other. I'm like, no, 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 no. How was she raised? Like, what was, what did money look like in their home? And 
And he's like, no, I've never asked that before. And same thing with her. I was like, do you know what his financial passage is? Like, no, not in that sense. And once that started to come out and they started to understand, oh, there's, you know, one guy is like, well, I lived with a single mom and, you know, we, we budgeted this way and this is how we had to do it. And it was low income. And then the wife's like, well, yeah, mom and dad had tons of money. We went on trips all the time. We used the credit card and, you know, money wasn't a problem. Obviously, you're going to have a huge disconnect when it comes to sitting down to money. So money's a big one that I think we run into because we take our experience and, and take that as fact, you know, and um, sex, jeez, oh, I mean, you get that mismatch of wants and desires and time and distractions and things that come into, you know, making sure that needs are met. And um, I have a, I'll tell you, if you, if you get my book, I'll tell you, get it just because of that chapter right there. I really break that down on uh, the conversation around intimacy. You know, so much just talked about sex. If you want sex, I would tell you up your game on intimacy and, and connection and understanding and patience and all that kind of stuff. All that stuff requires a little work, <laughs> you know, and it's not necessarily what us guys want to do all the time. We just want sex sometimes. Uh, so it's it's a it's a difficult conversation, uh, but it's one that can be worked through and with a little knowledge. And I think a lot of our knowledge on sex comes from all those influences of TV, movies, porn and um, other guys just talking older brothers giving us an idea of what sex was supposed to be about and nobody really pouring into us the knowledge of, well, if you want sex, then maybe there should be a little more romance. There should be a little more intimacy. There should be a little more conversation. There should be a little more discovery. There should be a little more, you know, um, Hey, uh, you know, what, what works for you? What doesn't work for you? And let me take you on a date. And, you know, there's, there's a lot there. So I break that down a little bit more in the book on some stats, some understanding of that. And, uh, but those are two that come come big, uh, come into my mind uh, as far as battles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, we can clean up that uh, car crash in your head there. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go on for a while. That's why I wrote a book on it, man. I was like, I got to break all this down because there's a lot to cover. Um. So I, my my last real question for you is this. And I know we we talked about advice for husbands, but. What about just men in general? What what advice do you have for, uh, you know, the man that's listening to this podcast? How can he be a better man? What, what does he need to know? You know, it's funny. I, I wrote down some things before we got on the call of, as a, a wrap up to something like this. Um, but the thing that's actually popping in my head right now is don't let society define for you what it means to be a man. And I, I think that... Um, you know, there's, uh, I'm sorry to bring a, I don't know if you have a bunch of faith followers or not, but uh, it's, a, it's a life verse for me. And it's one that I would just tell you is very impactful in this kind of conversation. It's Romans 12 too. And that's do not conform to the patterns of this world um, is, is a big part of it. And I think uh, the patterns of this world tell us, you know, you got to be strong. You got to be, you know, super strong. you got to be the guy that does it all and, and, and has all the answers and, and can handle everything. And I, I think that there's just a misconception of uh, sometimes for us as men is what it means to be a man. And I, I, I think that can cloud us and make us candidly a lot of times angry. I mean, for example, I, I'm not handy. And I will tell you when I try to work on something and I feel like 
I can't do it or I make a mistake, and especially ceiling fans, they drive them nuts, man. You're working, <laughs> work, working above your head. But I'll tell you what it is that actually pings my anger is when I have a problem, I can't fix it. When I'm working on something handy, I feel like less of a man because somewhere in my mind, I've been told or I, I believe that uh, to be a real man, you got to be handy. Uh, it's a line of garbage. So I would just say root out what those lines of garbage are in your head about what it means to you to be a man, maybe different than what it means to be for me. I, I think it's, it's more around character and around uh, the things that you do and the things that you say and the people that you're with and how you treat your wife and how you treat your neighbor and your friends. That to me defines more of what it means to be a man than, I don't know, working on a, a, a car or, or uh, lifting weights or making a big paycheck or, or, or whatever. So that, that would be it. Uh, I had some other things here about being compassionate and strong and being a forever learner and, and working on your patience over your anger. You know, I had some stuff like that, but I would just say stick to what you believe is uh, your true identity as a man in this world, not what society says it is. I think that's some fantastic advice. I think, I think our society is very confused about it because they want men to be one thing. And then they tell you gender is a social construct in the next breath. So I don't think anybody really knows what they want. So, <laughs> you know, and that, and we have to step up. Yeah. And that's where it's going to be that much more important for guys like us and the, and the people that are listening to us to say, you know what, here's, here's what it means to me. And, and here's what I, I think it, here's what I think matters. And, um, and if, if, if what that definition is comes out with you're respecting people, you're loving people, you're protecting people, you're, you're, you're doing things not out of pride, you're doing things out of, you know, best interest for all involved, then I'll tell you what, I think you're on the right path. But um, if it's coming out judgmental, if it's coming out cynical, if it's coming out angry, you know, your, your, your defining of who you are as a man is, I think, getting a bit warped. So. Mm. Excellent. So if, uh, if our listeners want to follow you and connect with you, I know that, you know, your, your book's going to be coming out and hopefully we can time this right when that happens, but either way, what's the best way for them to connect with you so they can, can be a part of what it is that you're doing? Yeah, I'll be leading off this launch with a, a new social platform launch and all that. It'll all be under the name ironandcotton.org. That's the website you can go to now. I've got the social media uh, set up on Instagram that uh, I haven't fully launched yet. Uh, but again, ironandcotton.org. Uh, if you want to immediately connect with me and start following some of the other stuff, it's uh, Modern Chivalry Men. Um, you can find that on Facebook. You can find that on Instagram. It was a little bit of a marketing failure on my part because uh, people can't spell chivalry. Uh, <laughs> so if you're having trouble finding me, it might be because you're spelling chivalry wrong. Don't worry. I mess that up all the time. But uh, uh, modern chivalry uh, uh, men, uh, you can you can search me there. But ironandcotton.org is going to be the, the main place I go moving forward. So awesome. thanks for having him. I love it. Hey, I really appreciate you being on the show. And uh, look forward to more interaction with you. I, I really feel like I've learned a lot from you over the past couple of years and interacting together. It's, it's good stuff, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Likewise, buddy. I, I love following you and, and listening to you and uh, uh, you're putting out some great content. Keep it up, man. We need more of it and uh, keep igniting that fire and people. I, I uh, hear you say the word level up uh, and uh, you are definitely helping uh, men level up. And I, I know you've had a part of that uh, in my journey as well. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate everything, man. All right. Thank you very much. 
If you want to know more from Mike Povins, go to ironandcotton.com. Mike is doing great work for men. We appreciate the work you're doing. We support you, man, and we appreciate that you stopped in on the Manly Hidden Mancast today. Listen, if you appreciate what we're doing here, you need to support us too. Go to manlyhood.com slash store. You can grab some t-shirts, some other apparel. We've got hoodies, we've got mugs, things like that, uh, where you can show your love for Manlyhood with our great Manlyhood logo on it, uh, which has a lot of symbolism, guys. Our Manlyhood logo, the symbols that are on that actually all mean something. Um, which I think is pretty cool. I, th I think we're going to explore that in one of these episodes, maybe unpack what the symbols mean in the Manlyhood logo. But also there are other resources that are available, including some books that I've written. One of those books is Manlyhood, The Twelve Pillars of Masculinity, which you can get, again, at the Manlyhood store. So please go pick it up. You can also get it on Amazon. You can get it in print, like this copy, or you can get it in an ebook as well, if that's what you want. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. I care about you. And I can't wait until we see you next time. If you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. Men, you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. This episode is produced by Hatcher Media for Manlyhood.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the show. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast.